Hello, I'm Joel Nelson, and this is the Joel vs. Arthritis podcast. Hello, and welcome back. Um, firstly, thank you for all of the wonderful comments after my announcement of starting this podcast over the last week. Um, it's been an absolutely overwhelming response. Um, and I appreciate your feedback as I share this content over the coming months because that is really going to be key. For now, I've decided to talk through topics unedited um, with as little scripting as possible. So there will be mistakes in these early podcasts, um, but I feel like it's the most authentic way to um, approach this subject. I want this to be like a coffee shop conversation around arthritis and chronic illness. Uh, where you are as much as a conversation as my own personal story. Um, so personally, I feel delivering this podcast in the most natural way hopefully carries with it the emotion and experiences that we share on this podcast uh, for the benefits of those living with these conditions and for those we hope to educate along the way. So over the coming weeks, I'll be arranging some guests to come onto the pod. Thank you very much to those that have already reached out to me regarding this. Um, yeah, it's been an amazing response. Thank you. Um, but hopefully um, when when we start to get other people involved, then this uncut um, coffee shop chat, as I'm sort of calling it, um, approach will be where it really shows its value. Um, but yeah, as always, get in touch on, on social media at Joel vs. Arthritis um, or via the website joelvsarthritis.co.uk and let me know um, your thoughts you know, and suggestions as you have been doing over the last week. So today, um, first full length episode, I'll be talking a little more about my juvenile arthritis um, diagnosis story. And this will essentially be a read through of an article that I wrote back in April um, called The Wider Impact of Juvenile Arthritis, which you can find on the website joelvsarthritis.co.uk. Um, and in it, I talk about how my arthritis impacts much more than my joints and me alone. So, um, yeah, I hope you enjoy. It took becoming a parent myself to realise the strain my juvenile arthritis had placed on my family. Arthritis stole from my parents, siblings, my education and my friendships. For the first time in over 20 years, I'm talking about my experiences as a child with arthritis. I was diagnosed with juvenile idiopathic arthritis when I was between 12 and 13 years old, but I had been having symptoms from around my 11th birthday. I'll never forget how it started. It's funny how those life-changing moments turn out to be your clearest memories. We were having a family day out in Great Yarmouth. It was a summer of 1995 before the start of the school summer holidays. We'd spent the day at the beach eating treats and playing on the two penny machines. One of those childhood memories where you recall it as the perfect day. If there were any arguments, you don't remember them. Only the good stuff. We were walking back to the car and I noticed that I was struggling to keep up with the rest of my family. I had this weird stiff feeling in my hip that I hadn't really experienced before. It was like I was walking with one leg wading through water. It was my left hip, if I recall correctly, and my dad noticed um, and told me to hurry up. I explained to him that my leg was stiff, but nobody gave a second thought, myself included. The next part of the story is a bit blurry in places. I remember feeling nervous as hell going to high school in September of 1995, having spent virtually all of the summer holidays laid up in bed. 
Going to high school for the first time as daunting as it is, it's even scarier when you miss the last couple of weeks of middle school and the whole of the six-week summer holidays whilst your friends are out socialising. Preparing each other for the next big step in their childhood journey, and I wasn't there. It may have only been eight or ten weeks of separation from my friends, but as a ten or eleven year old, it might as well have been a year. Turning up at high school with a limp when you didn't know the cause was even harder to explain. It took around two years to get a diagnosis of juvenile arthritis, and by this point my right knee was also a big problem. It was much more painful than the hip, and I was di- I'd developed sorry a severe limp, needing to wear a brace to keep my legs straight whenever I bared weight on it. Until very close to the diagnosis, I don't recall juvenile arthritis even being a possibility myself or my family ever considered. Although looking back, I remember lots of questions about my grandparents whether there was any history of colitis or Crohn's and every single appointment starting with an examination of my fingers and nails. There was no Google back then. All through my childhood I could never understand why they were looking at my fingernails or interested in digestive problems. Obviously, when I started getting rashes around the age of 18 to 20, I realised they were trying to determine what type of arthritis this would become. Flaking and pitting of fingernails is common in sufferers of psoriatic arthritis. The main stumbling block was that my arthritis was and never has been classic or obvious. It doesn't often present on blood tests in the form of high CRP or ESR results or other inflammation markers that rheumatologists tend to look for. Back then my joints were never hot to the touch or swollen like they are now. Frustratingly x-rays never showed anything either so I cut my doctors some slack. My body certainly didn't make it easy to diagnose what was happening then. Prior to diagnosis The following was touted as potential suspects and subsequently ruled out. I hate to think what else doctors considered. And there were growing pains, shin splints, hernia, sports or muscle injury and Osgood-Schlatter's disease. In fact, my first doctor was convinced that it was Osgood-Schlatter's disease for some time until the affected joints started changing. They even put me in a week of traction and hung weights off my leg, convinced it was growing pains. I still recall that week as one of the most painful of my life. After what felt like an age, I was eventually moved out from paediatrics to rheumatology. One day a new doctor assigned to me noticed a flaky fingernail. That combined with the other symptoms and the fact that a grandparent on one side had rheumatoid arthritis and colitis on the other side of the family, juvenile arthritis was confirmed. I often talk on this blog about about feeling like a burden and even at 11 or 12 years old I did. My dad was a firefighter at the time, working as a painter and decorator on his days off. My mum a stay-at-home housewife. I'm the eldest of four that my parents had all under the age of five in their early 20s. I only have the one child and I'm exhausted. I have no idea how they managed with four toddlers and babies. In those early years of diagnosis and into my teens when doctors were trying to control the spread, The primary approach was to admit me to the children's ward for a week or two. They would try new drugs, physio, tests and observations and let me home at weekends. This allowed them to monitor me closely, have 101 student doctors come and poke and prod and interview me, plus it saved my parents a 30-40 mile round trip to and from the hospital. Given some of the nasty side effects I got from the trial and error nature of the treatment, I was glad I was there at times. 
where I called one drug giving me um, crippling stomach cramps that caused me to scream the place down for a couple of days. Another brought me out in blisters when I went out in direct sunlight. I was a guinea pig, but at least I had the help at hand and I was interesting to them. I can tell you it's much harder as an adult with arthritis to get the same urgency and attention. Back then, once we had a diagnosis, trying anything to control it was better than the pain I was experiencing. I remember having mixed feelings back then. On the other hand, I was glad it was me. As the eldest of my siblings, I'd rather it was me in pain than them. On the other hand, I felt sorry for myself. There was times when I was outright miserable and bitter. The early days were a novelty. I mean, what kid doesn't want a stay in hospital at some point in their childhood? Later on, I'd go on to wanting to throw a chair at any kid I heard at school say I wouldn't mind breaking my arm so I'd go to hospital for a bit. You literally have no idea. As the weeks turned into months, summer holidays after summer holidays passed and I missed out, I grew tired of it all. My dad would pop in before and after every shift at the station. My brothers and sisters would maybe come up once or twice a week, but at some point I stopped living in the present. I was always clock-watching, how long until they have to leave, or dreading when my dad had a couple of days off as he'd have to go out of his way to come to Norwich. You become familiar with certain cues, like the light fading outside, evening meals being cleared away, or when you were told the doctors wouldn't be doing their rounds that day. Your stomach would drop, and you'd start looking at your parents' body language to see if they were getting ready to leave for the day. I hated it. I guess it was a mix of separation anxiety and not enjoying the moment that still lives with me today. I'm always worrying about what's next rather than appreciating what's now. Today I can't watch films where someone is left behind against their will without bursting into tears. The most embarrassing example being the remake of the Planet of the Apes film. When the chimp was left in a facility and was trying to communicate to its owner not to leave him as he walked away. I generally cried for half an hour. My wife had to pause the movie whilst I explained. It feels pathetic writing it down and talking it on this podcast, but you have to remember where it comes from. I had a very different experience to most children, in years where you are already confused enough as it is. My body was changing like all teenagers, except mine was also trying to destroy itself. Two memories stick with me from that period and I still feel pretty guilty today. On one evening I was so depressed at the thought of my parents leaving that when they headed off and went out of sight I cried out in pain, causing them to hurry back around the corner. Yes, I was in pain as I often was back then, but not the physical discomfort that I claimed. I was hurting emotionally. I'm pretty sure they knew it was too well timed, but as a parent today I feel guilt for causing them unnecessary worry and heartache. My second memory was less upsetting. One day my parents would come to visit me and they told me that the family had been out to greyhound racing the night before. Although I never showed it, I remember being so angry and upset. How dare they go out and carry on as normal without me. I now realise how selfish of me that was. And why should my brother and sisters live at live, sorry, be on hold because I am unwell. All of this time I was in and out of hospital and everybody suffered, not just me. My brother and sisters missed out on holidays, days out, things we would have done if I wouldn't have needed to be so close to the hospital. They probably missed out on my parents' attention too, although I'm sure they did everything they could to counter that. My parents must have been sick with worry, not to mention all the extra expense of driving back and forth to the hospital. They were probably as exhausted as I was, but as a child and emerging teenager I couldn't appreciate that at the time and I feel guilty for that. 
You see, arthritis isn't about the individual, the pain, the disability or limited career options. It's about everybody around that person too, the family and the loved ones supporting them and any relationship they go on to have. Arthritis is changeable. Flares dictate everything. I've started relationships with people perfectly healthy and years later when things are much more serious, arthritis can strike you down and change the dynamics of everything applying immense pressure onto what was a perfectly secure foundations previously. You have to plan ahead. Decide what information to disclose and when. Ensure that everybody is equipped to support you and understand what they are signing up for without sending them running for the hills. The same goes for employment. I've given one employer a shock and it didn't end well for me. So now, from day one, I say I have a disability. Even if at the time that might be hard to believe from just looking at me. Arthritis doesn't discriminate. It doesn't even care if you have arthritis or not. It's going to change your plans. I'm just sorry, Mum, Dad, that I didn't appreciate that and everything you did when I was a child. To end, arthritis in children is a difficult subject. You are fighting against strongly held opinions in the general population that arthritis is an old person's disease, something that is secondary to age and wear and tear. It's also difficult because it's not something you can cure and it goes away. It's a life-changing disease, often progressive, and everybody's journey with it is different. Some get lucky, like me, and get long periods of remission, and others don't. This makes it difficult to talk about and support individuals and families because the path isn't always set at the point of diagnosis. The positive from these stories, however, are that kids will grow into the strongest, most compassionate people you know due to the challenges they had to overcome. I was so much more resilient as a teenager with arthritis than I am as an adult with arthritis. But when I describe myself as weak these days because the pain beats me or I happen to lose the fight on that day, people remind me of what I'm doing to raise awareness, what I've achieved despite my disease. My writing serves as a reminder of what I can and have achieved on these bad days. Arthritis didn't break me, it made me who I am. If you are a child with arthritis or a parent or carer of somebody with juvenile idiopathic arthritis, I would highly recommend checking out the resources on the thinkjia.org website. If you enjoyed this um, and would like me to read through more of my most popular articles for your commute to work, dog walk or however you consume your podcasts, please let me know by emailing me at contact at joelversusarthritis.co.uk. And if you've enjoyed this podcast, please don't forget to subscribe on whatever platform you're listening to this on. Leave a review and send me your comments and feedback via the website joelversusarthritis.co.uk. It helps massively and allows me to improve future content and episodes. You can find more podcasts, articles such as the one I just read out and news on joelversusarthritis.co.uk and follow me on social media where I am at joelversusarthritis, all one word, on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook. Thank you very much for listening and I look forward to hearing some of your stories um, in return.